Hey, it's Kieran on his lonesome uh, at the beginning of this bonus episode for reasons you could probably guess. Um, for the sake of the record, I'm going to say that it is Saturday, 26th of February at 25 past 10 Berlin time. Just to give you an idea in the context in which what I'm about to say is being said. So, uh, what happened? Well, since you probably last heard from us on the feed, um, the most recent episode that we've published was our episode about uh, France and Mali and the Wagner Group. Um, that was recorded a week ago, actually, last Saturday. Um, yeah, so... But it came out on Monday, so to give you a context of what's happened since. Uh, late on Monday, uh, President of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, made a speech. And you've probably heard a lot about the speech. There's some good pieces out there analyzing the speech. Um, but for the sake of the rest of this conversation, there's three points uh, I want to bring up. Um, first is a kind of like complete disregard uh for Ukraine as a state, um, basically argues that Ukraine is a invention of the Bolsheviks, uh, which then leads to this just very like aspect of the speech, which is the like strong anti-communism. Um, I think it's important that we remember this in this time that Putin is a, a Russian nationalist that glorifies the Russian Empire more so than the USSR. Um, and I think that's pretty evident in this speech. Uh, yeah. Um, but to this point, uh, disregards the, yeah, Ukraine as a, an entity. Um, I'm one who would disregard all kind of national myths and Ukraine is Ukraine now. I don't really care how or when about it came, how or when it came about. I don't think that's germane to any kind of discussion, especially the incoherent history and nonsense that Putin seems to suggest. Um, it, uh, it like means basically not phrase myself very well here, but it's late. <sighs> there was also, and this will come up later talks of denazification of, uh, Ukraine. The idea that Ukraine needs denazification um, more so than a handful of other nations, like what's happening with Ukraine's military and its Nazi links is not too far off to things we've talked about in the past with modern-day German military and certainly isn't um, far off from what's happening in modern-day Russian military. It's... Um, but anyway, the denazification line is important for other reasons, which we will get into later. In this speech, he recognized the independence of the Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic, uh, which you might hear in press and media referred to as the DNR or LNR, and or sometimes collectively known as Donbass, which is, I believe, the historical name for the region that they both occupy, while Donetsk and Luhansk are named for more modern uh, administrative regions. Yeah, this is, this is a movie did. However, later in the week, um, 
early Thursday morning in Eastern European time, uh, a couple of hours actually before we did the Eurovibe stream, um, after I had gone to bed, but Rob actually stayed up and was keeping abreast of all this information, uh, Russia conducted an invasion from three points, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the south via Crimea, uh, from the east uh, into a city called Kharkiv, and from the north, from Belarus, um, towards Kiev, because the Belarusian border is the closest point of entry to Kiev, the capital. Yeah. Um, Vladimir Putin on Thursday morning got on TV and claimed it was a special military operation to protect Ukraine's separatist Donbass region, which is nothing. <laughs> in effect, this was a declaration of war in all but of name. Uh, that speech was followed pretty quickly by reports of explosions near, if not in, several Ukrainian cities, including Kiev, Kharkiv, and Odessa. Uh, it seems now that Ukrainian officials are reporting Russian ground forces landing in Odessa, Mariupol, uh, across in the border near Kharkiv, uh, all of which lie well outside the Donbass region. Um, but those reports remain unconfirmed as far as I know. Um, well, no, okay, so time of Thursday morning, those were unconfirmed reports. I'm pretty sure all of those things are confirmed now. The Ukrainian government has imposed martial law, and which was a step up from the state of emergency they were in beforehand. It's unclear at this point whether a diplomatic solution for this before this invasion happened was ever really possible. Um, I personally think it was maybe a week or two weeks ago, but uh, the that discussion is unfortunately uh, pointless now. It's uh, purely academic. That leads us to present day, which for all intents and purposes, I'm just going to call the fog of war uh, territory. A lot of information is coming in and all sorts of media outlets. I'm sure you've seen all sorts of stuff. If people are interested, the Discord for the podcast has the Eastern European regional channel where a lot of discussion and a lot of stuff that uh, our listeners have been finding are you know, posting and talking about and discussing and stuff like that. But Anything that I say now is probably going to be wrong by the time you listen to it. Um, things have been proven to be false a year after uh, the conflict took place. It's it's a confusing time, and not to mention there's going to be propaganda both from Russia and Ukraine in a, in a way to keep a morale for both of those armies up to continue invading or defending. Um, it's a confusing time. If you want to keep up with it, by all means, we I'll list off some recommendations of uh, decent journalists to follow. But um, I can't go through it now. It's it's going to by the time I publish this, a lot of it's going to be just wrong or no longer germane. Yeah. So for the sake of transparency, uh, there was a bonus episode that we recorded on Wednesday, um, but most of what we uh, discuss in that episode is not really relevant um, since this invasion happened. 
there was some stuff towards the end that was a bit more comedic that I have actually strapped onto the end of this uh, um, little solo thing of me and Rob kind of ragging on some people on Twitter that I think is still relevant and still, um, yeah, uh, not wrong. So for a little bit of levity, that will be available after I'm done saying our little uh, piece here. So uh, if it's obvious, if it's not obvious yet, I'm going to say it. We were wrong. Um, So basically what we thought, um, pretty much all four of us on Gornish Beatty thought that the uh, invasion would not happen. Um, Yeah. I, I can speak for myself and say specifically that on Wednesday night and what was recorded in that last bonus episode, um, I thought that Russian troops were going to enter into the territory controlled by the DNR and LNR. Um, if anyone remembers the the chat on Wednesday evening, it was about whether Russia, uh, whether, Russia whether Putin was going to... Um, recognize the DNR and LNR as the areas that they currently controlled versus whether they're going to recognize them as the areas that they claim. Um, Because if they recognize the areas that they claim, that would have also meant war between Ukraine and Russia. (sighs) I thought they were going to go into the actual, like, de facto territory. The ones actually controlled by them as an effort to further destabilize Ukraine and hope and from the Russian perspective, force them into a, a, a Minsk three, if you will, uh, something a bit more favorable to the Russian position. <sighs> so why were we wrong? <laughs> I mean, it's very obvious now, but I'd like a little bit of a chance to explain myself. Um, up until this point, and uh, I think it's served us well, we have gone off of the idea that Putin is a rational actor. Um, Putin does the things that he does, not because of what a lot of Western media will tell you, that he's like crazy or evil or villainous or dastardly or whatever kind of uh, ideological points of view that I think are poor explanations for any world leader, any state, anything like that. We came from the perspective of that Putin does what he does to protect himself, his power, and um, Russia's interest, quote-unquote Russia's interest, you know, Russia as he sees what Russia should be, or his Russia, um, not like poor Russians' Russia, you know. It's hard to talk about this, like, yeah. But still, you get what I mean. Um We'd point to the examples of the track record of Russia's military since Putin has taken over as largely getting their way uh, and being fairly tactical and somewhat savvy. Um, They basically got their way in Syria. They're getting their way in uh, uh, West Africa, although that's technically the Wagner group rather than the armed forces, as much as there is a meaningful distinction between those two things, which is not great. Um, they got th- they pretty much got their way in the initial Ukrainian conflict back in 2014, 2015, um, a little bit, yeah, uh, um, 
they got Crimea, uh, and they got their way in the 2008 uh, Georgian War, and they got their way in the Chechen War. Um, so the track record was looking pretty good, and you have to attribute that to some sort of like well-advised military uh, maneuvers. The other reason that we didn't think this was going to happen is the move is incredibly risky. Um, so we're pointing out, and I still think this, that if Putin fails to take Ukraine, that I feel like Putin is effectively done within Russia. Um, some people might think that's true, and that's fine. I've been wrong before, as this section is basically getting to. But um, it does seem like a putting-it-all-on-black kind of moment for Putin that um, we've never really seen him do something that risky, something that would like jeopardize his position if he lost that much. I would describe most of his past maneuvers as if he wins, he gains something small. If he loses, he doesn't really lose all that much. <sighs> I can say for myself right now that what I think currently is that this move is a mistake, um, that Putin is a rational actor, but he is fucked up. Um, what I mean by that is I think we could be looking at like a Russian version of the Iraq war where um, Russian forces are capable of taking uh, the Ukrainian army, but have absolutely no hope of occupying the country. And people are making comparisons to 2008 and saying it could be a quick operation. And I'm open to that idea that they'll want to make this as quick as possible. But I bring back the denazification line. Um, even if you did believe that all of Ukraine is Nazis, which is just not true, but denazification implies a long-term project. Um which is why I am open to the possibility that they want to occupy Ukraine, not simply not simply move in, cause damage, and uh, force some sort of more Russian-favorable agreement on the Ukrainian government, which is what happened in Georgia, effectively. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm thinking at the moment. The other thing that I think it's, other reason I think it's a mistake is we can also talk about what's, happening domestically within Russia currently. Um, from the reports I saw last, but, you know, keep the fog of war <laughs> caveat in the back of your head there. But from what I saw recently was um, it's something like polling has it about that 40% of uh, the Russian population is against the war. That's not including don't knows. So I believe 40% is the largest uh, uh, the plurality, not a majority, but the plurality, and um, that's pretty sizable accomplishment considering how much uh, United Russia, how much Putin has control of the media. Um, there were anti-war protests in about, uh, if last I saw, 53 different Russian cities. Uh, these are protests undertaken by people who know full well, full well what it means to be uh, on the wrong side of the Russian police. And uh, we're also seeing things like um, large Russian celebrity 
protests, uh, public spectacles of that nature, people who have platforms within Russia kind of speaking out against this, um, as well as the Communist Party of the Russian Federation, the KPRF, who is the largest opposition party, have also stated uh, they are against the war, um, with members of the of that party leaving the Duma in uh, the parliament in protest. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, which also kind of leads to why I think it's a mistake. But, but yeah, wanted to be honest and say uh, we were wrong. The reason why I think it's important to say that we were wrong is also that... Um, as some people might rub uh, it in my face or our faces and the faces of the various journalists and uh, researchers and whatnot that we were kind of uh, following the work of and listening to who were also wrong about this, uh, who've all also said and admitted that they were wrong. And the reason why we think it's important is because there is a great deal of many uh, um, journalists and pundits and whatnot out there who will just, for lack of a better term, post through it and uh, not say that they're wrong. <laughs> um, speaking of Iraq, this does remind me of a lot of people in uh, 2002 who uh, are from 2002 who are still in the media class today who have never really admitted that... Uh, um, their talk of weapons of mass destruction was wrong. <sighs> yeah. Naturally enough, um, Forty started to see a kind of with us or against us rhetoric. Um, that is upsetting. I, I've seen uh, everyone <laughs> basically be called a, a tanky or a pro-Putin Um it's all very confused and it's it's attacking like very unideological like freelance journalists who've worked for the BBC. It's a it's attack like people have said that towards us on Twitter, who have attacked like Milo, Alice from Trash Future, things like that. It's all very strange. Like very strange from my perspective, because like Alice actually predicted this. She thought the invasion would happen. <sighs> but yeah. It's um the space is getting weird and something I've been thinking about since this has started is there is a radical act in remembering. Um, it is the job of the left to remember. And I think it is important to remember kind of what got us here. Um, the weeks, months before all this happened, there's still a lot of unanswered questions there and some of them possibly never be answered. Um, but yeah, all of this is of course to say that, uh, no matter how much we do critique, uh, the state of the U like Ukrainian government before this happened, uh, NATO, the way hand, the way Joe Biden's white house handled this intelligence. Yeah. The blood is on Putin's hands. This, uh, this response is horrifying. That being said, um, people who've been listening to Cornish Beatty for a while know that we're not necessarily going to be a current events, current events podcast. Um, we cannot, 
uh, give you live updates from what's happening. Um, we don't have a turnaround for this podcast that would make that useful enough. Um, there are people I can recommend, but I'm also going to say that this is not the last you'll hear of this topic, naturally enough. Um, to give you a sneak preview, we we have plans of talking about talking to some experts about like the sanctions, how much damage they can do, will do, how much Russia can resist that, uh, as well as like post-Soviet invasion, uh, post-Soviet uh, revolutions, and as well as we'd also like to talk about 2008 with the Russo-Georgian War. Yeah. What will be the last you hear from us on this topic, for sure. Uh, lastly, some recommendations, because um, we said that we can't really provide you uh, up-to-date coverage, but we can recommend some people who are good follows on Twitter and things like that, or good journalists you can check out their work of. Um, ben Aris, or Aries, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, and there'll be links to all this in the description, um, is a kind of like business journalist focusing on like the post-Soviet countries and their relationships. A uh, good one to follow for um, the economic effects of all of this in Ukraine, in Russia, uh, the economic effects of the sanctions. Uh, Vladimir Ischenko, who is uh, head of Eastern European Studies at um, FU5 Universität here in Berlin. Um, he's Ukrainian and he's written a lot of really good stuff in recent days about uh, what is happening and what he thinks is going to happen. Um, not one for tweeting too often, but certainly writes often enough. And uh, he will tweet the links to the pieces he puts out. Lots of different languages too. Um, so if you're a Dutch or German speaker, he's got some stuff probably written in that. Uh, Leonard Ragozin, who is a freelance uh, Russian journalist based in Riga, uh, is also writing a lot of good stuff for Al Jazeera, as well as tweeting quite regularly uh, his thoughts and kind of corrections on like um, popular simplistic narratives. Uh, Sopa uh, Jad, okay, <laughs> ooh, it's a lot of names I can't pronounce. Sopa Yaparidze, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, she is a labor union leader and uh, a host of the Reimagining Soviet Georgia podcast. She's again has written some really great stuff in the past about Georgia, but is also tweeting and you know talking about a lot of this stuff naturally enough. Um, again, good one for sources. Um, beyond that, I can also recommend the Foreign Exchanges newsletter. Um, I've been a big fan of them for a while. Um, they will send you an email, basically, I believe, twice a week or so of just kind of like a roundup of what's been happening in the world. And they do their due diligence. Uh, strongly recommend. Um, I'd say also there's a... a uh, Jared Toll, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's written a book called Near Abroad, which is about Russia's foreign policy of uh, the last 10 years. He had a great interview in Jackman recently. Uh, he does some independent surveys um, in Ukraine, including within the LNR DNR, uh, that I think are very interesting to read about, even though this interview was conducted uh, after Putin's speech and recognition of DNR, LNR, but before the invasion started. I still think it's a a pretty good piece. Uh, last little recommendation and one that's a bit, maybe a bit more fun is 
Dan Beckner, a musician and co-host of The Bottlemen, a podcast about Canadian politics, um, has always been a particularly good source on Eastern European politics. I believe he's of uh, diaspora. Um, I'm not sure, entirely sure which one. Um, main reason I'm recommending him, though, is that there is a, I believe, a listener of this podcast who is Ukrainian, who is always been reporting on the far right in Ukraine, but for that reason, his account is locked. Um, and he's in Ukraine currently, and he is tweeting about that. Uh, Dan Beckner um, is tweeting the screenshots of uh, this person's stories, uh, which I find very interesting and important to hear right now. Um, he's doing his due diligence and you know censoring his name and picture and stuff like that. So... Yeah, that's my recommendations. Um, Before I leave you to get into a conversation that uh, me and Rob had, which was a bit more light, a bit more usual corner speedy fare, um, I will say that this happened, you know, um, on Wednesday the 23rd uh, before the invasion occurred. So if you find anything that's said there weird uh, in that new context, that's why. Um, and also that the main feed episode this week is still going to be the uh, Q&A episode for our three-year anniversary, just so people are aware. Um, I think Nick does a, a a good job beforehand of saying, that, you know, we know about the invasion and we're going to talk about it in the future. Um, before I leave you to talk about that, I can only say what we've said from the Cornish Beatty Twitter account, what we've said on the Patreon feed solidarity with the ordinary people of Ukraine and the anti-war protesters and activists in Russia and around the world. This is genuinely horrifying. Uh, do we want to talk about some uh, uh, um, some stupid posts? Absolutely. Now, I was, I, was not, I was not excited to talk about it, but now, as I often do, I've talked myself into it by yeah. coming up with an absurd theory in which it makes sense. <laughs> and so in this schema, yeah. these two individuals are ahead of their time <laughs> in the sense that they're European posters who are adapting to the new American style of warfare in the, in the, in the old, in the old countries. Mm. Which, one we talk, respect that. which one we don't want to talk about first. We want to talk about our new character or do you want to the new one? A new we should, one. We okay. should talk about this. Uh, Rob, did you uh, know I'm a, I'm a Finnish leftist? <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm a I, capital F, capital L Finnish leftist. I, uh, I mean, I do kind of want to like change my name on Twitter to as a Finnish yeah, leftist. As a Finnish leftist, <laughs> that's a great way to weigh in on basically any debates you might be having. Yeah, um, I don't really know how to describe. It's a, it's a huge thread, absolutely fucking monstrously long thread, um, which. This guy did not do the like numbers thing, mm-hmm. which I feel like is just common courtesy if you're going to write a big thread. Yeah. Just like, let me know how long this is going to be. Just let me know. <laughs> like, out of what number? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you like, Twitter allows you to post it that way now. You can, you can like queue up posts and post them all at once. You can, you can figure out how many numbers it's going to be. Ah, yeah. Um, it was a breathless, passionate, uh, statement yeah There's no time for numbers greetings do, don't we just go through all this 
no pick out pick out the best i mean i know okay. there's a lot to say oh, I'll, I'll go, i'm gonna do through i'm gonna go through the uh, uh, the first what's his name can we just say, say yeah. his name uh, uh I've, I've been thinking of him as fish emoji yeah sure he has a fish emoji in his name i don't <laughs> yeah. know what it means <laughs> yana m korhonen uh, uh finnish flag eu flag fish emoji ukrainian flag what the okay i was i've we've been pretty neutral on the eu question but i'm being pushed to a to a the EU. <laughs> why, why what are these leftists doing with the eu what do you think is going to happen so okay the eu is a beast that requires in-depth and interesting analysis everyone with an eu flag emoji in their fucking handle on twitter psychopaths absolute, absolute psychopath. monsters <laughs> absolute psychopaths uh okay so the first in a long in a long chain was greetings from a finnish leftist the international situation has apparently left pe- many people in the English-speaking countries confused. Interesting. I write this thread in the hopes of sharing a perspective I believe is widely, uh, widely, if not unilaterally, shared in Finland, most leftists included. Um, so I'm trying to think of... That's a, that's a citation needed. Yeah. So, or, I mean, honestly, I don't know what he means by leftists. Now, now I'm just like, sure, you can call yourself whatever you want. I mean... Th- didn't have that much meaning in the first place yeah yeah i mean yeah this is very diluted i mean it's very telling that like everyone who liked this retweeted a commented saying this was good were like like fbp e like british people who all vote like lib dem mm-hmm. uh there was also a tweet directly underneath it's like as a finnish conservative i agree and i was like well i think that tells you <laughs> it's, it's, uh, there's, things must be great in finland there's no, <laughs> there's no problems everyone agrees on everything politics is dead um that's the kind of country i wish i lived in. all hail the fish <laughs> which is now <laughs> our new symbol uh the second tweet which is important I, uh, these top three are probably very important what we see happening in Ukraine, hashtag Ukraine, right now is, to put it bluntly, Russian, or more precisely, the Kremlin's imperialism. Sure. Uh, if no other evidence convinces you, I beseech you to read a translation of Putin's speech yesterday, which we talked about. It's fucking vile. Uh, this has very... Okay, so the third tweet. This has very little, if anything, to do with NATO. Wrong. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, Wrong. It's, it's, Out the it's, gate. It's, Stupid. <laughs> Stupid fucking idiot (laughs) and almost everything to do with putin's desire to reinstate the russian empire he has consistently maintained in public that it was a mistake quote to allow quote the former soviet republics to become independent okay so this is true but this is something that the interview with uh, gerard gets to which is like an incredibly stupid problematic view of like russian foreign policy which is russian foreign policy is designed like decided upon in a vacuum like this mm-hmm. this explanation that it's purely down to putin's desires to reinstate more accurately not the ussr the russian empire um which i do believe is something he would like like don't get me wrong i think him and people in his circles do kind of like fantasize about that but like that that's purely done in this vacuum that Russia is not responding to outside forces, namely NATO, an organization that is expressly anti-Russian at this point, is like stupid mm-hmm. and just like imagines because like and it's it's a narrative that's going to get more and more popular because I think rightfully so, it's very useful to the West because it imagines the problem as solely being Russia's problem. 
it comes it, the call is coming from within the house blah 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 mm-hmm. like it it only comes from russia russia is the problem they have this weird way of thinking it can't be a response to outside forces like yeah <laughs> which is because like the american model proves that you can have a bunch of countries subservient to you that you don't have to annex yeah. like yeah i'm pretty sure and people can correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure putin would be pretty happy like if all these countries were like on paper independent but still just like in his sphere of influence like i don't think he feels the need to annex belarus um he might but i don't (laughs) think he feels the need to what if we said that the 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 eu lib longs to recreate the european the european empire to dominate the globe with a little thing called democracy yeah um the other uh, stuff i'm going to skip over he talks about like this is important because i'm finnish and finland gained independence from russia in 1917 let's not talk about what the Finns were like immediately after that point um a lot of stuff saying that he's not afraid of nato that's not true there's like literally leaked memos from the cia that expressly say Russia is afraid of NATO and countries that border them joining, particularly Ukraine. Uh, um, only after Putin's blatant 2008 and 2014 uh, uh, breaches of post-World War II convention, again, the interview, <laughs> 2008, Georgians versus... Not how you think that shook, shook out. Um I'm 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 gonna link it in the description because like that interview was very good. He literally uses the term truthy to describe <laughs> how like people understand what happened in Georgia as like that seems right, but it actually isn't. Um let's see, let's see. He says that it's like it's fine because they have nukes. Um <laughs> and then we get into then we get into uh, um the spread of democracy theory. Yep which he talks about. Okay, so this is the tweet. Democratic, successful countries bordering European Russia, it's interesting that he specifies that, are a menace to him personally. They show the Russians an alternative and can serve as sanctuaries for dissidents that Putin would like to invite for tea by the window. All right. Is that the move? Uh, throwing, throwing someone out the window, I think, is like this uh, supposed tactic of the 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 modern fsb i don't i haven't looked into it and how true that actually is but like they do get rid of people they don't like sure uh i just just want to take notes don't don't don't, if someone invites you to tea by the window don't go that's that's a life lesson so the spreading of democracy theory i think is very like late cold war bullshit Mm -hmm. that's like proven not to be true like i think <laughs> really <laughs> why would you say that i know right uh come, listen to our last main feed episode where we talked about like a series of coups happening in africa in the space of two months um yeah it's 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 facile it's stupid childish nonsense that doesn't account for like democracies that were undone or like a bunch of democracies or like degrees of democracy like you can vote in russia like yeah and also i would believe this if russia was like north korea but russian people can and do frequently leave russia and see the rest of the world and a lot of them are 
relatively fine with what Russia is doing. Like, unfortunately, Putin is still popular. So, like, and they get media from the outside world. There isn't like a there isn't like a great firewall like in China. Like, like none of this. It's complete bullshit. Also, the fact that it's like successful countries bordering European Russia is like okay, but why? Why does Vladivostok not count? Like, there are people who live in the east of Russia. There are cities there. Why does like so many democracies have bordered Russia for ages? <laughs> I like. I really like how you're trying to trying to. I'm really give trying him the time of day, but like, it's so provably falsifiable. Number like I'm going by very liberal definition of democracy. We can talk about the degrees of democracy. We can talk about how like liberal democracy is kind of a joke, but like by their own definition, liberal democracies that have bordered Russia for a very long time, Norway, Finland, Lithuania, Estonia, Mongolia, the USA, <laughs> Japan. <laughs> like I, I kind of feel about this thread that he's this is like a child soldier or something. I don't want to see the Oh he is. He's in, he's in the reserves. I don't <laughs> I don't want to see these tools in his hand. <laughs> Conscription still exists in Finland. He's man in the reserves. With this, with this kind of with this kind of goatee uh glasses and hairline should not be getting 45,000 faves. This is this is bad. Yeah. This is this is a human rights crisis. This is I want, <laughs> someone needs to intervene. I should uh, if anyone, you know, that's why we do this podcast. If anyone <laughs> if anyone should be explaining European politics. Please Mr. Putin, my name is my name is Yupli Luplovon. <laughs> Did you know like There's some of his, no some later tweets, some his late, later tweets are he's like quote tweeting his uh, reply guy tweets to George Monbiot or something? Yeah, it's just like all right. That should be me. I want to at Michael McFall and be like, "Dear sir, please listen to please please retweet my thread on the uh, on the." Um. George Mambiot also had like a stupid tweet that he deleted. Did you see that? <laughs> no, but I'm not surprised. George George, George Mambiot is the. This old- is why George Mambiot. No offense to any fans out there. I know he's yeah climate stuff. He's a little fish emoji. <laughs> they're, oh, they're, he, they're a little they're a little fishy. All these most, there's a lot of fish emoji guys out there. <laughs> most most can't see the fucking forest for the trees, motherfucker in the world. <laughs> you can't see the forest for the trees because yeah. you're just a fish. You're just swimming <laughs> around in the ocean, and everyone's looking to you for, for their analysis of world events. Rob is grasping to try to figure out what the fish emoji means. It, it uh, means it means something. It means it's just, something. It's just dire. whenever you see this stuff, whenever you see like that, that, that we're gonna leak. get we're gonna we're gonna find out. This is gonna be like the new Amazon box emoji. <laughs> <laughs> that like that lever. Uh, uh, MP in uh, in Portugal yeah, with, yeah. The, with the EU red and black yeah. fish emoji. Just you just label, send them the You're fish emoji and things. move on. Um, back in 1930s, democracies turned their backs on democratic Spain. Like, mm. Wait, okay. Yeah, that's. Um, I didn't even know this part. We're bringing up Spain. Yeah, he brings. That's not what happened, man. They supported Franco. Um, they actively crushed. And it wasn't because they were a democracy. It was because they were something else. Um, something you supposedly support. But like, yeah, the George Monbiot tweet was just fucking hilarious because it was, uh, um, uh, he, he gave, in response to this, he gave the example of like, imagine if uh, the UK annexed a portion of Ireland on the grounds that they speak English and they were defending like an ethnic minority. And everyone just killed him in the quote tweets, being like, 
Yeah, it's called Northern Ireland. <laughs> this is his, this is the best tweet in the thread because this is oh, where yeah, like he. I mean, he talks about Finlandization. I'm not really sure what he means by that. Finlandization feels very. I need to look into it and read about like what people think that means. But Finlandization strikes me as very um, uh, social market economy. As in, like, you've just called... You just gave a different branding to a certain thing. Because, like, when people were talking about the Finland Finlandization of Ukraine, what they kind of meant was just, like, an enforced neutrality. Yeah. yeah. and or Which is, would be to, good. Yana's, Yana's way of describing it is a country that is at the mercy of the Kremlin. Like, uh. like we were during the Cold War, we being Finland. Maybe overtly democratic, but as, only as long as the people are wise enough to only choose candidates that are acceptable to the Kremlin... The far right in uh, Sweden and Europe are the ones the Kremlin, the you know Russia is. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. This, this guy's a fucking lip. This, this one's very funny to me. This, this one's very funny to me. In Finland, our yeah. social democracy could effectively end. Okay. With it, the experiment to create a sustainable social democracy would suffer mm-hmm. and probably end as well. If the Nordic experiment then fails, what do the what do the left has to offer to the world then? Not that. <laughs> Something <laughs> better. Would I like would you get if if, if your country sucks literally everything. When you get to the end and it's like wait, the you think the left is just Nordic countries? Yeah, yeah he does. Is he that, absolutely is, is does. that actually what you think? He's a he's a fucking child. Wow. That's some fish emoji. That's, <laughs> that's some fish emoji <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but like okay, that's the episode title, fish emoji <laughs> bullshit. Uh but like uh, the um yeah, because like that, like that's also just so all goddamn falsifiable. Like just uh, like oh, you know, our social democracy could end because we would have to elect pro-Putin candidates. So I was like, well, you've had since ninety like pro-Kremlin candidates do this. Like, you've had since nineteen forty-five to to do for this process to take hold because of Finlandization or whatever. And Finland is still one of the most robust social democracies on the continent so like you know any moment this will affect will kick in in contrast a country that has always continuously been combative and hawkish towards russia had the most precipitous drop from post-war social democracy like guarantee to complete neoliberal hellscape the uk like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) like being being shit to Russia is also no guarantee that your social democracy will fucking last. It's almost as if other forces are deteriorating European post-war social democracy. And it's not just like how mean or not you are to Russia. Um, can we talk about... Fuck the, you! Can, can we talk about the antidote to the fish emoji? The antidote? The, yeah, the antidote. The opposite. The the if, if you're feeling a little fish emoji, you should... You should take this emoji pill. What's this? The parrot emoji. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking parrot. <laughs> can you can you explain who Dip Dip Parrot is on Twitter? I can't. He's like <laughs> he's ungraspable. Like I, I he's like uh, uh, um he's like when you close your eyes in the sun for too long, you just got that little blob in your eye that you're trying to like you're trying to look at, you're trying to grasp, but it's always just out of view. Um, he just he's. His handle is at, like, at Dare Parrot, right? At Dare underscore Parrot. Yeah. Dare underscore Parrot. His picture is a fat parrot. That's his profile picture. Uh, he changes his username quite a bit, but he's just like, 
insane liberal like I, I, i'll read the bio based liberal oh he's, ta- he's he's actually based we, i think we've talked about him before i think yeah, we brought we him did. up before and described him as the base liberal this is the fucking paris he's he's this, a, okay so he's a german man i assume hang on, hang on before, no, before you describe i, I just want to say i just want to say like i found this guy right that's true you did but Rob has such a very particular taste when it comes to like guys on Twitter that like I'm still so proud that I saw this guy immediately send one of his tweets to Rob and Rob was like yes still out of the seat started clapping and shit. I was like this I feel like you know when you like the feeling you get when you finally make the macaroni drawing that your dad actually likes <laughs> like i finally did it i am very proud of you son thank you there's some he he just he has like a certain poetry to, to the way he talks about things where okay poland ball a classic from you know oh, that oh, i, I oh. would read way back in the day yeah is his cover image yeah which is a very fitting representation of his view of the world and politics which is Europe should be based, so we should just act based. Mm-hmm. But he repeats based enough that you realize, even though he says he's in his thirties, he acts like a like a sixteen year old. Sure. I don't know. Uh, for the like two days, I actually had TikTok. The, what kept coming up were <laughs> like people making like dank history memes, like you need to train the Hitler doing the, the such and such, and then it like cuts, and then it's like my face when the Soviets in 1943, like you know, it's something oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that kind of stuff, which is like I don't know, excruciating to me because it's like you know, it's just like I, I like when they get I know I, I like some of them, but only when they're just like so nonsensical, oh, of course. I like there was that one like 14 year old kid uh dancing to like burning through, uh, um where he just had Kaiser written on his shirt and then like halfway through and burning, burning through, like hits, he's just like on the ground dead. And I was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I think you're doing a history meme. Um, Go on, sorry. He, <laughs> it's just like this literally facile and like infantile understanding of like the world politics, which I can't knock on because that's like what you're, Welcome to the podcast. People people barely <laughs> understand like their own like history, politics, whatever of their own country. You're not you have no you're not incentivized at all to learn about it. You sure. get no extra credit points. You'll probably just make yourself miserable if you learn about it. Yeah. Now imagine like, oh, I'm gonna learn about the world and all these different crazy characters that there are out there. And like it is the the opposite of the of the fish emoji, because instead of go- talking about the, the power yet fragile fragility of democracy you're just like i don't care i want to be based and we're based yeah and what if we were epic and owned putin that'd be cool yeah that will i'll do it um you say things like that and then you also post this is literally his his third most recent photo um blurry zoomed in photo of a plate of food (laughs) caption what do the indian followers think of the chicken masala i made sorry chicken masla (laughs) Oh, do you spell it wrong? Yeah, I assume so. Oh. Uh, he's, he's, he's getting some earnest five five to six out of tens. <laughs> but that's a beautiful... He's, again, you need to not have shame if you're going to do this. I mean, it's so... it's He 100% has like Indian followers. What's so what's so great... Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, is that yeah. he's, he, his, his like task, according to his bio, is building a European YouTube community to counter American centrism. 
And the thing is, I think he's going to do it. Like, this is exactly the YouTube content. Like, you know, are you a European out there on YouTube, sick of American content? Listen to to Dare Parrot, who will will just be epic and you can feel great watching i like the thing the the thing about that title that strikes me so weird because i tried to find his youtube channel i can't really or it had nothing on it i can't quite remember um oh my god oh you're playing some shit yeah yeah um (laughs) it strikes me as someone who's like he's trying to build a european community and i I think i described it once before to you that he's trying to like make a yeah no because he said this before in a tweet he's trying to make it like a liberal uh um answer to bread tube to yep. like left us online but like specifically he's trying to build up and find other creators it's not just him um which you know good luck or whatever to your poland ball community i am um, yeah what was his um the one you told me on the way here fucking blew my mind uh what was his answer to this whole like russian conflict um oh well one of his tactics was today adding twitter mm-hmm. to ask twitter great answer, great. to when to tell you if you're being reported from tweets within russia like so clearly his tweet was reported and he's <laughs> thinking how do i know these aren't russians trying to censor me <laughs> twitter can you please do something about this i i first found him for being like your typical uh german zionist uh, uh kind of thing so that explains the indian followers he hates um <laughs> southern europe <laughs> he loves owning southern europe uh-huh and the, well the thing is southern europe isn't owned the way putin is it's it's honestly a bismarckian divide and conquer strategy where yeah. southern europe is like i love that you said bismarckian <laughs> go on <laughs> southern europe is like austria yeah whose power must be you know checked but kept in you know the nexus yeah. Uh, is russia just russia russia's is an adversary but well, yeah this metaphor is russia just russia yeah i think so <laughs> oh now i'm now i'm getting tripped up because i was gonna say russia is france where you can just you know go whole hog just smash them hmm Maybe Russia has to be I don't know enough about Bismarck. (laughs) (laughs) The point is that Southern Europe isn't getting owned the same way he wants to own Russia because they have to be your sidekick you can kick around. Yeah. And that is what being an epic-based European is all about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's adhering to the Emily in Paris stereotypes of a bunch of like – stereotypes that are just not true and you will like roll your eyes and complain that they're not true but uh um at the same time you're just kind of they're all really like harmless stereotypes like germans are orderly and uh italians make good food or something it's um it's very dumb but he posts he posts very stupid stuff do you have any other other gems there? Do we have more? Uh, his most recent post is a photo of his forearm with some burn marks on it. <laughs> saying, this is why you... Sh-, like blisters. And it says, this yeah. is why you shouldn't deep fry things at home. Yeah. All right. Good job, dude. Good job, man. <laughs> he's just like... He's literally like... We're talking like a bug man creature, I assume. Just posting about um, <laughs> what, what he's learned about. Like, just thinking out loud... Uh, and 
you know, interacting with this wonderful community of Europeans, and they're they're having a laugh over their favor over the over the the greatest hits. Yeah, LOL, LOL, Spain, <laughs> uh, Germany, strong, uh, Greece, you suck, but you can't leave. <laughs> um, <sighs> oh. This is the unity. We we got to end on this. This is the unity post. I'm going to yeah. at the fish man in this. This is... Oh, okay. Here we go. Oh, yeah? All right. Here it is. This is from January 24th. I know I'm a hard... This is from... If this wasn't obvious, dare parrot. I know I'm a hard-nosed liberal who often disagrees with the far left. All right? Yeah. But I am happy to see many European leftists break with their American comrades over the issue of Ukraine. Yes. We may disagree on much, but we are all Europeans in the end. Yeah. This is, this is, he should have, first of all, stop subtweeting the fish man. (laughs) (laughs) Give him credit. (laughs) Give him, give him credit. Give him credit. This is European shape of water. (laughs) Dead parrot is fucking the fish man. Like, where the fuck are you going? <laughs> Parrot's fucking the fish, man. And God damn what it. is it? Have you seen the movie? Oh, yeah. Who plays a prominent role? The fucking Russian spies, man. They're, yeah. trying, they're trying to keep Russia is in the movie, and they're trying to break up. I now I'm forgetting the plot. Yeah, no, the Russians were actually the good guys in that. I thought they were trying to break up the the no, love. Oh, the, the 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 CIA was the. That's the true. But the Russians were like, didn't they kill someone? I think they were also supposed to be bad. I can't. Quite All right, before we end this episode, I'm looking up the plot of The Shape of Water. I I remember there being controversy then, then for it being end. like you could start Euro s- Soviet sympathetic. Maybe Dirk Kraut thought that. Um, I don't think I knew Dirk Kraut back then. Thankfully, that's how he got big. The 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 Dirk Parish. Parrot. Oh God. This is gonna be a recurring character. Uh especially <laughs> I honestly can't do him justice. Like you just have to the I think the first time we brought him up, I talked about the new breed of like epic liberal posters. Yes. Like you used to be your alt right yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and your and your your base leftist and everyone posting, and now he's there are a bunch of liberals posting, and I honestly think it's the worst of the bunch. <laughs> Yeah, I am. Um, Rob, I feel like I feel like your account should just retweet him. I feel I'm, like people. I'm down to do that. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you should just post your post your like once every two weeks top banger tweet that you do. But every time, just log into Twitter and just like retweet the latest uh, Dare Parrot tweet and just. Um, Show our audience this lovely man. <laughs> not, not even quote tweet. Just uh, pump it onto people's timelines. Are you reading the plot of Shape of Water right now? Oh, sorry, I was back at Dear Parrot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. No, I, that's actually better. Do that. <laughs> I don't understand what happens in this movie. I remember the guy gets shot. Mm, if anyone here remembers the shape of water please at kieran or dm him (laughs) to figure out how this fits in i'm pretty sure it was soviet sympathetic and that was kind of like scandalous at the time and everyone was like well it's it's gail totoro and he's kind of like that because you know the movie he got famous for was um so michael shannon michael shannon is the americans obviously because he's the cia yeah um and he 
can't have the fish man and dare parrot get together because that would be the europe would become too strong okay and he has to keep them separate uh-huh and the russians are there this- <laughs> spying yep because they want to steal how to make leftists love <laughs> like make the, the love love their country want to make your uh, uh how to trick all the l- russian leftists into supporting Putin to create in the lab the uh, uh like instead of the finnish fish man it's like the karelian fish man yep. just across the border yep. Yep. <laughs> doing like epic posts about how uh leftists in uh, in russia shouldn't support nato <laughs> <laughs> and then the the russian you think that's spy- the type of guy do you think there's like a russian poster who's like we must support nato uh if you or someone you know is that person uh tell them to come on the podcast we'd love to interview them <laughs> all right i think that's an episode we've been going for a bit yeah yeah we gotta we gotta wrap this up yeah all right uh well that was that was the bonus episode we're probably going to be talking about ukraine for a while wasn't that fun you almost thought about the you almost forgot about the you almost <laughs> forgot you, you <laughs> the, the russian ukraine crisis at the end just strong about- recommendation to follow dare underscore parrot <laughs> <laughs> he's wild i want a youtube debate him <laughs> we got we got a youtube channel now we could we could upload that we could live stream to youtube you debating dare parrot i'm gonna debate him I wonder. He's definitely German. He would definitely say yes. Yeah. He would a hundred. You would. What if ha- he will only debate in German? <laughs> you could do it. Let's fucking do it. I, mean, I won't be that. I won't be nearly as articulate. But if I don't, that's the point, Rob. I would like to stonewall him. <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah, he would definitely say you build up. You build up the atmosphere of actually ruining him in the quotes, and then he will say yes uh all right yeah we gotta we gotta go you gotta go all right see you on the main feed bye everyone ciao